Praise God. Good morning, everybody. We're high-fiving on the front row. <clears throat> we got Theo helping with the offering. Looks like he's getting him some out of there. Man's got to go to camp, amen? <clears throat> Praise God. Everybody doing well today? How many of y'all saw American Pharaoh win the Triple Crown yesterday? Uh, that hadn't been done in 37 years. I had hair then. I, man, that was a long time ago, man. I'm not a big horse racing fan, but how can you not be a fan of the Triple Crown? So it, it was so amazing. I got to tell you, uh, yesterday I did a wedding in Demet. Cassie Harris got married, and there was a young man who was a groomsman in the wedding. He's in his 20s, and uh, he's at the end of his college career. And he told me yesterday one of the most impactful events in his life growing up was going to camp. And we took him to camp several times. We had a young man in the early service uh, who's a student at A&M, and uh, he's in his 20s, and he told me the very same thing, that one of the most impactful events in his life was going to camp. And so I'm grateful for your support in helping us send teenagers to camp. It makes a huge difference in their life. Amen? Amen. Well, I've got up this morning. I'm going to start a new series this morning, and I'm incredibly, incredibly excited about it. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to spend the summer talking to you about spiritual truth that changed my life and Vicky's life. What we're going to do this summer is I'm going to take you on a 40-year journey, the journey that Vicky and I have been on. Now, I'm going to begin with assuming that you already know Jesus as your Savior. You're already a Christian. I'm not going to talk this morning about knowing Jesus as your Savior. So I'm assuming that you've done that, and if you haven't done that, you, you can do it today. But once I invited Christ into my life as a 12-year-old boy, then I began this journey. Vicki and I got married when I was in college, and we began this spiritual journey together. And I'm going to show you the truths, the things that we learned that changed our lives, literally changed our lives. Now, if you've ever thought to yourself, man, I wished, you know, I wished I had like secrets or I wish there were nuggets that I could learn. I wish there were things that I could learn that would help me. That's exactly what this is going to be. Now, they're not going to be listed in order of importance. I'm not doing that. So it's not like this one's really important, but in August, they're not very important. They're not listed in order of importance. But I promise you, Everything I'm going to share with you this summer is going to be a truth that changed my life, changed Vicki's life. And here's what I want you to do. Uh, the first thing I want you to do is I'm going to be reading the book of Galatians in the month of June. There are six chapters in the book of Galatians. And in the morning, I'm going to read Galatians chapter 1. And each morning after that, that's when I do my devotional time. Each morning, I'm going to read a chapter. I want to invite you to join me. Uh, get your Bible out sometime tomorrow, and over the month of June, read one chapter in the book of Galatians, and do it each day in the month of June. Now listen, if you miss a day, it's okay. All right, if you miss a couple of days, it's okay. All right, don't, don't, get, uh, don't get tormented by that. You just jump right back in, but I'm going to read the book of Galatians. Then I'm going to take the summer, and I'm going to show you these truths, <clears throat> excuse me, that Vicki and I learned. And these truths absolutely transformed our life. The first one that I'm going to show you this morning, here's what I want you to know. When I discovered this truth, it changed me as a Christian. It changed my prayer life. It changed how I approached God. It changed the way I talked to God. It changed so much in my Christian life when I found this out. 
Here's the first thing I want you to see this morning. And that is this simple life-changing truth. That is God is not mad at you. God is not mad at you. The reason he's not mad at you is because the sin of the world was poured on his son, Jesus Christ. And when you receive Jesus Christ into your life, you are declared righteous. Now, the word righteous means right standing. And what that means is, is that when you recognize that Jesus didn't die on the cross for himself, but that he did it for you, and you invite him into your life, you're at that moment in right standing with God. Now, here's what happens to most Christians. All the Christians that I know understand that Jesus died on the cross for their sin. I've never come across a Christian yet that said they didn't understand that. If you've heard the gospel any at all, and you understand, hey, Jesus paid for my sin, I'm forgiven, and you've received Christ as your Savior, most Christians that I know, all Christians that I know understand that. But what a lot of times we don't understand is when that happened at that moment, you were brought into a place of righteousness. You were brought into a place of right standing with God. And God is not your enemy. He's your father. And he's not angry with you. He's not unhappy with you. He's not put out with you. Now listen, that truth changed my life. It changed our walk with God. Now, the church I grew up in, I'm very grateful for. And the church I grew up in, I heard the gospel of Jesus Christ preached. And I received Christ as my Savior. And I'm not blaming the church I grew up in. Somewhere along the way, and I don't know why or how, but somewhere along the way, I got the notion or the idea that God was mad at me. I kind of got this idea that, you know, I just couldn't do enough that I needed to do more, I needed to change something, but that God, in a way, was angry with me. Then I kind of got the idea that if something bad happened in my life, if there was some kind of a tragedy or a lost job or something happened, I would always somehow connect it with God, and I would think to myself, well, this must have happened because I've done something to displease God. Now, listen, my church did not teach me that, and I'm not saying that they did. Somewhere along the way, I just kind of got that idea. So I lived my Christian life pretty much staying away from God because I thought he was mad, right? When my dad would be mad at me, I was smart enough to stay away from him, right? Because if I got close to him, it reminded him, and I'd get in trouble, right? So here's what happens. We do the same thing to God. So when I found out through Scripture, and I'm going to show it to you this morning. This just didn't in my idea. When I found out that I have peace with God, when I found out that I'm in right standing with God because of what Jesus Christ did, it changed my walk with God. Now listen to me. Right believing produces right living. It does matter what you believe. It does. Right believing produces produces right living. I want you to understand something very clearly. You need to base what you believe on the Bible. You don't need to base what you believe on an experience. You don't need to base what you believe on maybe what your grandmother believed or what your mom believed. Uh, I had a Bible teacher one time say that most people's minds are like concrete. They're thoroughly mixed and well set. And they take a little grandma's doctrine, a little mom's doctrine, a little grandpa's doctrine, a little experience, and you mix it all together, and you have all these mixed up ideas. 
Right believing produces right living. You want to base what you believe on God's word. I was at a meeting one time, and a guy got up, and he shared an experience that he had. And I'm not going to explain to you or even talk to you about what the experience was. But he explained an experience he had. And then he said, God did this to him, what this experience was. And I knew when he said it that that experience was not based on God's word. That you could not go to God's word and find out in the scripture that what he said God did to him, God did to him. It was not true. Then here's what he said. When he finished telling the story, he said this, I believe it with all my heart. Listen, God is not moved by genuineness, okay? Listen, you can be genuine and be genuinely wrong. You can believe something that's not true, and you can believe it with all your heart, but it doesn't make it true. The men who flew those airliners into the World Trade Center on 9-11, those men sincerely believed they were doing the right thing. Did they not? They sincerely believed it, but it was not the truth. It matters what you believe. So I'm going to show you this morning in the Scripture, not because I say it, not because I've had an experience, but I want to show you what God's Word says about Him not being angry with you. I'm going to begin in Romans chapter 3. I'm going to start with verse 21, and I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, and I want you just to simply listen to what God says. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with Him. Now stop right there. When you see the phrase, made right with God, all right, made right with God, it also means righteousness. So when I stand up here this morning and I say I'm righteous, what I'm saying is I've been made right with God. The two, the word and the phrase are interchangeable, so listen to it. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. That's a reference to the old covenant before Jesus was born that the Jews kept. As was promised in the writing of Moses and the prophets long ago. Verse 22. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. Okay, did you hear that, church? We're made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. I'm righteous this morning. I'm right with God this morning. God is no longer angry with me this morning because I've placed my faith, my trust, my belief in Jesus Christ. If you've placed your trust in Jesus Christ this morning, church, you are right with God once and for all for this life and all of eternity. Amen? Now, let me continue to read. It says, we're made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes. Who's everyone? Everyone would be everyone, right? In Texas, everyone means everyone. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Listen, it doesn't matter if you're rich It doesn't matter if you're poor. It doesn't matter if you're educated. It doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your nationality. If you believe Jesus Christ died on the cross and was raised from the dead for you, and you've believed that in your heart and said it with your mouth, you are right with God, and he is not angry with you. So it's much easier to talk to God if you know he's not mad. Let me continue to read. It says, everyone has sinned. 
We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Of ourselves, we're never able to keep God's standard. We never have and we never will. That's what the law is. Listen, you're not right with God because you're a good person. Right? We're right with God because of what Jesus did. Let me keep reading. God freely and graciously declares that we are righteous. Would you say this with me? Say, I'm righteous. Say it again. I'm righteous. All right, man, doesn't that feel good? All right, you're in right standing with God this morning if you know Jesus is your Savior and God is not angry with you because you are right with God. Let me keep reading. It says, he did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sin. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. Now, I just read to you that Jesus was the sacrifice for your sin. I want to make this very clear. Don't miss this. There's nothing you can do. There's no sacrifice you can bring to God to pay for your sin. Are you with me? Jesus paid for your sin with his blood. So you can't do penance. You can't suffer. You can't get up at four in the morning and pray and suffer and not sleep because you think that's pleasing God because God is already pleased if you know his son. If you don't know his son, there's nothing you can ever do to please him. Are you with me? So the price has been paid. Listen to it. God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. Now, I want to make two statements. Under the law, now when I say the law, I mean the old covenant before Jesus was born. Under the law, God demanded righteousness from man. Here's the way it worked in the Old Covenant. God gave a set of rules. You may have heard of them called the Ten Commandments. And God said, if you'll keep my rules, I'll bless you. If you break my rules, I'll curse you. If you keep my law, I'll bless you. If you break my law, I'll curse you. Okay, in the New Covenant, here's what happened. Under grace, God provides righteousness. Now listen, under the law, he demanded it. Under grace, he provides it. Now listen very carefully. Moses brought the law of God. Jesus brought grace and truth. Jesus, amen. Jesus knew you couldn't keep the rules. Let me say it again real slowly so you don't miss it. God knew you couldn't keep the rules. So he sent Jesus to pay the price to provide you with his grace, to provide you with his righteousness. It is a free gift. Amen? All right, now I'm going to go to Romans chapter 5. This is one of my favorite verses. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, and this is the New Living Translation. Listen to what it says. Therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith... If you know Jesus this morning, you're right with God by faith, not by anything you do. The next sentence says, I'm made right in God's sight by faith. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Now, there's one phrase I want you to notice. It says that if you know Jesus, you have peace with God. Okay. Vicki's sitting right here on the front row, and I have peace with her. What does that mean? That means she's not mad at me, and I'm not mad at her. And our relationship is good. And we are at peace with each other. And there is peace in our home. 
We don't fight. We're not mad. We're not angry. We don't hold grudges. We don't play games. I don't do the silent treatment on her. She doesn't make me suffer and punish me. We're at peace. I have peace with her, and she has peace with me. Now, some of you don't have very much of that in your home because the things I just described, you do all the time. And you need to stop, amen, and repent and ask God to forgive you. We don't play games at our house. If she's upset, she tells me. If I'm upset, I tell her, and we make peace. That verse says, if you know Jesus, you have peace with God. Listen, God is not a game player. God will not give you the silent treatment. I heard a man on the radio the other day say God is judging America, and the way he's doing it is by being silent. Folks, that's not in the book. I talk to God every day, and he talks back to me every day. I wonder how come that guy's not hearing God. Are you with me? I have peace with God. Is there stuff going on in America? You bet there is, right? You bet there is. But I know Jesus is my Savior. Let me tell you something. God has never judged the wicked with the righteous. He never has, and he never will. See, you don't have to be worried about being lumped in with God's enemies, and you're going to be judged along with them. God has never done that, and he won't do it now. There's three groups of people on the earth. The righteous. Listen, I'm in that category. If you know Jesus as your Savior, you're righteous. The Bible says in the Old Testament that Noah found favor with God. If you know Jesus as your Savior, you have favor with God. You're in right standing with him. He's not angry with you. So the first group are the righteous. The second group for the wicked. Listen to me very carefully. They are God's enemies and they do need to worry. But that's not me or you. The third group are those who are on the fence. And you know what happens when you're on the fence? You get splinters in your butt. <laughs> Amen? Listen, you don't want to be on the fence. I'm going to talk more about that next week. I don't want to get ahead of myself. The verse I just read to you says, therefore, since we've been made right with God, excuse me, right in God's side by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Verse two, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. What is he talking about? What undeserved privilege? Hey, God's not mad at me, and I'm righteous because of what his son does, and I get it. I don't deserve it. I don't earn it, but I get it. The next sentence says, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing in God's glory. Now, here's what I want you to see that's very powerful. When Jesus died on the cross, none of us had been born yet. So when Jesus died for your sins, all your sins were future because you weren't born. Now listen very carefully. You're not lost and a sinner because of what you do. See, sinners don't die and go to hell because of what they do. They're sinners because they're lost. The Bible says the sin of the world is that they don't believe on Jesus. Are you with me? So if you believe on Jesus this morning, you're not lost, you're found, and you're alive. Okay? So here's what happens to us in church. We, get, we come to church, and Preacher Rusty gets up and says, you can have Jesus, and he's a free gift. Come right up here and get him. And you come right up here, and you say, I want him. Then we hand you this book of rules, and we say, now, you've got to learn all these rules real quick. And you've got to learn how to dress and how to act and what to say and what not to say. And these are the rules that you've got to keep them. We bring you in by grace, but then we want to shackle you under rules and regulations. Listen to me. 
The finished work of Jesus Christ done on the cross was done outside of time. All your sin has been paid for. Your past sin, your present sin, your future sin. People always get messed up with, well, what about that stuff in the future? Listen, when you make a mistake, when you blow it, when you stub your toe, when you skin your knee, can I tell you something? Run to daddy. Run to daddy. Don't run from him. Run to him. You know why you haven't been running to him? Because you thought when you made a mistake, he was mad. But he's not mad. He's not angry with you because you're in right standing with him. Now, I want to show you another verse. I'm going to go to 2 Timothy chapter 5, verse 21. This is a great verse, too. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. Look what it says. It says, God made Christ who never sinned. Now, stop right there. Has any of you ever heard that Jesus wasn't perfect and that he had sinned? Well, it's not true because the Scripture says right there that he was perfect and he never sinned. And I'm going to explain to you in just a minute why that matters. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin. Now, stop right there and let me change those words a little bit. It says that Jesus is your sin offering. I'm going to explain that to you in just a minute. So that we could be made right with God or righteous through Christ. Let me read it to you again. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right. The King James says so that we could be made the righteousness of God through Christ. Now here's what's going on. That verse says that Jesus is your sin offering. Let me go back to the Old Testament. Okay, if you and I lived in the Old Testament and we were Jews and we sinned, we made a mistake then we would go get one of our lambs or one of our goats. Now, it depended on your income. If you were wealthy, you might bring a bull, but if you didn't have very much money, you might bring a dove or a bird. And you would go to the temple to the priest, and you would go into the priest with your animal, and you would say, hey, I sinned yesterday. I made a mistake. I blew it. I've sinned, and I need to bring this animal as an offering, okay, for my sin. Now, would you go ahead and put up the first slide? The sin offering slide. Okay, the man on the right is the priest. The man on the left is the man who has sinned, and he has his sin offering. Now, here's what happens. They would bring their animal to the priest, and then the man would give the animal to the priest, and the priest would examine it to make sure that it was perfect. Okay, here's what you couldn't do. You couldn't have a calf or a lamb that had a broken leg or maybe it was malnourished or was sick, and then maybe it was going to die anyway, so you'd bring that and give it to God. You couldn't do that. The animal had to be perfect. So here's what would happen. The priest would take the goat, and he would feel all over. He would examine it to make sure it was healthy and to make sure that it was worthy of being sacrificed. Listen very carefully. The man was not examined. The lamb was what do you mean, pastor? Well, see, we've been taught in Christianity that you've got to always be examining yourself. We just took communion. And many of you have been taught your whole life, oh, don't receive communion unworthily. Don't do it. And you've been taught that you have to examine yourself. By the way, the word unworthily means that you treat it as a common meal. It has nothing to do with your sin or with your own worthiness. Listen to me very carefully. See, the lie that we've been taught is you have to examine yourself. Listen, Jesus is your sin offering, and he was examined, and he was found to be a perfect, worthy sacrifice for you. 
You don't have to examine yourself. Your lamb was examined for you. And God exhausted his wrath of sin on his son for you. Man, that ought to set you free. But see, we spend our whole lives doing what? Oh, God's mad. Oh, i got to examine myself. Oh, what if I sin and I don't know it? Oh, my gosh, I wonder what I've done. You don't have to do that. Now, let me show you something very powerful. The man would lay his hands on the lamb or the goat. And the man's sin was transferred to the animal, symbolically. Then the priest would take the animal and he would cut its throat. He would drain its blood. And the animal paid for the man's sin. And the animal died in place of the man because the penalty of sin is death. And the man would go back home and go free. The next time he sinned, he would come back with another animal and he would go home free. The next time he sinned, he would bring an animal and he would give the animal and he would go home and he would be free. The Bible says the blood of bulls and goats cannot wash away your sin. Now, here's what's amazing. Jesus is your sin offering. And when he died on the cross, your sin, your unrighteousness, your brokenness, your rebellion was transferred to Jesus. And the amazing thing is this. It says he died one time. He didn't have to die over and over and over. He gave his life one time as the sinless lamb for you, for your sin. His blood was spilled on the altar in heaven. That's what the Bible says. That he went into the holy of holies and sprinkled his blood on the altar seat. And your sin's been paid for and it's done and it's over. That's a good place to say amen. Okay, that was terrible, but it's all right. Man, amen? amen. Now, put up the next slide. I'm talking to you about two sacrifices. The first is the sin offering. The second is the burn offering. What's the burn offering? The burn offering is you would bring an animal to the priest. The animal was examined, found innocent, just like Jesus was examined. Do you remember how Pilate said, I find nothing in him? You know what he was saying was, this sacrifice is clean and perfect. So they would bring a burnt offering. And here's what would happen. The innocence or the righteousness of the animal was transferred to the man. Then they would drain its blood. They would put it on the altar and they would burn it. It was a burnt offering. And it says in the Bible that when the smoke would go up from the fire, that God could smell it. And it was a sweet-smelling sacrifice. The innocent animal died for the guilty man. Are you with me? The Bible says in Hebrews that when Jesus died on the cross, that his sacrifice was a sweet-smelling savor to God. Jesus, the innocent Son of God, took your sin upon himself, and he was your burnt offering on the cross. Now, he wasn't literally burnt alive, but he represented the burnt offering. Now, here's what happened. Man, here, here it is right here. Don't, this is it right here. This, this is so good. Your sin was transferred to Jesus. His righteousness was transferred to you. You know what happened at the cross? The great exchange. If you lived in the old covenant, you would bring your goat, you would put your hand on its head, and your sin went to the innocent animal, and they killed it. 
Then you would bring another animal for the burnt offering and you would put your hands on it and the innocence of the animal or righteousness was transferred to you. That's exactly what Jesus did for you and I. My sin was transferred to Jesus. His righteousness, his holiness, his right standing, his innocence was transferred to me once and for all forever. Listen to me. God's not mad at you. You know why? Because he poured his wrath on Jesus Christ. And he is your sin offering. He is your burnt offering. And he paid the price for your sin once and for all. You know what we've been taught our whole lives? Oh, when you sin, you're separated from God. Are you crazy? Okay, so the blood doesn't work anymore? Pastor, are you saying I shouldn't repent? No, of course I'm not saying that. I'm not saying you shouldn't repent, but you've been made righteous. You are in right standing with God. He's not angry with you. You didn't do anything to make it happen. Your sin offering made it happen. Your burnt offering made it happen. See, it'd be just like if you brought your lamb to the priest, except Jesus was your lamb. And he paid the price once and for all. Listen to me. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. What about when I hit my thumb with a hammer and I cuss? You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Listen, stop living the Christian life of managing sin. Because all it'll do is eat your lunch. If you get up in the morning and say, oh, I'm not going to sin today. I'm not going to sin today. I'm not going to sin today. Oh, I so hope God's happy with me today. I'm not going to sin. 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 On the way to work, you're going to see a billboard with some beautiful woman on it selling who knows what. You notice they use beautiful women to sell everything, right? Thank God for beautiful women. Amen. I've ruined a lot of you for the rest of the day. I know. <laughs> right? Then that's all you think about the rest of the day. And then you stay away from God because you think he's angry with you, and he is not. Your sin's been paid for. The righteousness of Jesus Christ is transferred to you. I said, hey, Jesus, you want my sin? He said, yeah, I'll take it. Jesus said, hey, Rusty, you want my righteousness? I said, I believe I'll have some of that. And I and you are in right standing with God. Listen to me. That's one of the first truths that Vicky and I learned. That changes how you pray. See, God's not mad at me. When I go talk to him, I don't hang my head. He's my father. He loves me. He and I have an open relationship together. You see, when I make mistakes, I go to him and I talk to him. And he helps me and he walks with me and he works with me and he changes me. God is not angry with you. If you've invited Christ into your life, Jesus took your sin. He gave you his righteousness. Pastor, are you saying it's okay to do whatever I want? Well, just let me tell you something. Sin will kill you. Right? Sin will kill you. If you decide tomorrow you're going to start snorting cocaine, well, in about a few days, few weeks, few months, you're going to be in big trouble. Right? If you decide that you're going to drink and drive tomorrow and you have a car wreck and kill somebody, uh, you're going to be in big trouble. Listen, you know this, right? Sin will jack up your life. Right? Isn't there a song, Don't Drive Your Truck If You're All Jacked Up? Right? You heard that, right? Okay, right. Sin is the same way, right? Don't, don't live your life in sin. It'll get you all jacked up, right? Right, right, true. See, so it's not about, oh, pastor said I can do anything I want. I'm not saying that. God's not saying that. The wages of sin are death. 
But the gift of God is eternal life. God's not mad at you. Doesn't that feel good? Just breathe that in. Ah, now your wife might be mad at you. That's another story, okay? Your husband might be mad at you, but God's not, amen? Y'all stand up, let's pray. Bow your head with me and let's pray. Father God, I love you. Lord, I'm so grateful that the sacrifice for our sins has been paid once and for all through the sacrifice of your son, Jesus, and that we are right with you today, that we're in right standing with you today, that we have favor with you today, that you're not angry with us today. Father, would you let that truth sink deep into our hearts that you're no longer mad at us and that we're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Father, I'm so grateful that I am right with you today, that I'm in right standing with you today. It feels so good to know that. Let it burn in our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Y'all going to be blessed. Y'all have a great weekend. We'll see you at Cedar Canyon this evening.